Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and More. Welcome to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We're going to continue our division previews today with a look at the Central Division. Before we get started here, just a note that we recorded this before Chris Middleton's injury and before the Bucks traded for Michael Beasley. So, Bucks fans, apologies in advance. We are going to express a little bit of excitement about Chris Middleton, and you just got to park that in your minds until next year. So without further ado, today I'm joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalet. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Going good. Morton, I know you're excited for this one. The Central Division, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to protest a little bit, Brian, but you're going to notice that uh, later on. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to give Morton a, <laughs> oh, no. we'll give Morton a break here. We're not going to start with his Chicago Bulls, but we will get there shortly. <laughs> Instead, we're going to start with the Milwaukee Bucks, who, let's be real, I mean, aside from the New Orleans Pelicans, they were probably the biggest disappointment in the NBA last year. You know, they came in off of a sixth seed the prior season. They pushed the Bulls in the first round of the playoffs, looked like a frisky up-and-coming contender, and signed Greg Monroe that offseason, which seemingly filled a huge hole, and instead, they imploded. Um... They showed some signs of life toward the end of the year, but you know they didn't make too many big moves this offseason. They shopped Monroe and found no takers. They got Matthew Della Vadova, took another big flyer in Thon Maker at number 10. But from what we can tell, all of the major pieces from last year's roster are going to still be the major pieces on this year's roster. So, Morton, I'm going to start with you. Do you think... Michael Carter-Williams and Greg Monroe are going to fit better this year than they did last year, or 
are they going to end up getting traded at some point in the year? I think for Monroe, it depends on the evolution of Thon Maker. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help but think that selecting him at 10th, they, they want to get something out of him almost immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I, I suspect that they probably would have... I don't know. They probably would have taken him regardless. I just, I just think that it was kind of a reach because he wasn't slotted into that point. So mm-hmm. maybe some other teams had thought about, okay, we, we might you know reach for him at 12 or 13 or whatever, but... Ah, I just I think they're gonna go with him, and you you mentioned in your pre-recording uh, notes that you sent out to, to us that John Henson is in the doghouse. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, exactly. I don't think that's gonna be the case anymore because I would prefer to play him over Greg Monroe. I like that length and the defensive presence and the rebounding a lot more. Uh, but still, Greg is just this very fascinating interior scorer. He can really get buckets when it's necessary and for the bucks it is necessary what's so weird is that what 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 happened last year was the bucks defense fell off it wasn't really their offense it was very unexpected i actually had them going in the eastern conference finals prior to the season wow um you go figure right but in as as to michael carter williams no, no, not really. I think, yeah. I mean, look, unless he learned how to shoot over the course of this, the, the summer, I, I just don't think that's his spot. I could see Matthew Delavadova really bite into his minutes. Mm-hmm. Sarah, do you think Delhi starts over MCW this year? Well, he's definitely over MCW, I think. Um, yeah, I was going to answer the same way Morton did, basically. I mean... You you got Delhi on the roster now, even Tyler Ennis. I I think they are probably. Oh, we know they've been unhappy with Michael Carter Williams. So, if they can find someone to take him, I'm sure they will try to move him. <laughs> but that'll be the interesting part is you know who's gonna bite. I don't know. But you guys, I thought Sam Hinkie was a fraud because he traded a reigning rookie of the year in Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> I, I swore that was the narrative. What what happened? Is Michael Carter-Williams just not as good as everyone thought he was because he won Rookie of the Year in a very down year? How, how did I not see that it was coming back to him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I I just had to get one more shot in at MCW. <laughs> I mean, I can't be objective about either player because I'm a Georgetown grad and Greg Monroe is also a Georgetown player, so I have an irrational love for him. Uh, even though I do <laughs> recognize that he is defensively limited, particularly on pick and rolls. And then Michael Carter-Williams, as a Sixers fan, uh, I think enough said. And he's also a Syracuse player, so that's like a double strike against him. I do think <laughs> I do think Delhi is definitely going to start over MCW, or should start over MCW, especially if uh, they keep going with Giannis Antetokounmpo as the point guard or de facto point guard the ball handler mm. uh you know Delhi, i just think is a better off ball player than mcw i think he's a better shooter and I, he's used to playing with a point forward in lebron james so you know he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands all the time uh and then i you know i kind of wonder if mcw and monroe both come off the bench like maybe that's their role and maybe they play that well and they can kind of feast on backup point guards and backup big men you know i I think we riffed on this idea before but it seems like 
the league is kind of moving toward putting these defensively challenged big men in their second unit. You know, like Ennis Cantor, um, I, I've argued Jaleel Okafor should be filling that role. Al Jefferson probably mm-hmm. will with the Pacers this year. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe Greg Monroe actually works in that role and maybe Thon or John Henson do start and kind of get the Bucks back to being the defensive nightmare that they were in 2014-15. Yeah, now that would be the optimal solution. By the way, just going back to Delhi, just real quick, he's this generation's Derek Fisher, right? Like the guy, the 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 point guard who start the guy who starts at point guard but doesn't really play a point guard game. The guy who's gonna spot up, play tough defense, be like the pain in the ass type of guy. This is like the new Derek Fisher, right? I buy that. Yeah, I could see that. I I kind of I think those guys are so necessary for success. I understand completely why the Bucks went out and got him. He's this guy who is just never going to back down. And I think that's going to bring a lot to the team. I, what I do wonder is, is it best to have Delhi in the starting unit or better to coming off the bench to just bite people's ass? <laughs> Look, I, I like that energy input coming off the bench, but I understand the necessity in having a quality guard, guard start. I mean, yeah, you, you can't start Giannis you know, at the actual point guard position and have him defend quicker, smaller guys throughout the course of the game. That'd be too much. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a little guy in there, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they, what, what happens there. But uh, in regards to Greg Monroe coming off the bench, I I, I mean, it kind of has to be that setting, right? I would, it really has to. I would think so. But uh, you know, he did start, he started more games last year than I realized. Like he, he lost his starting job uh, a little bit midway through the year, but he got it back pretty quickly. So I don't know, even though it might make more sense for him to play off the bench, especially if they're still trying to trade him, I don't know if they actually go ahead and do that. Like They might keep him in the starting lineup if only to boost his trade value so they can flip him at the trade deadline. Because I think he has a player option after this year. So, you know, especially after drafting Thon, like, he's not theoretically going to be part of their long-term future. So I really think they're going to try to get anything for him, even a late first-round pick, versus just lose him for nothing in free agency after the summer. Yeah, it, it makes sense to pump up his value. Uh, look, he's he's a 15-10 guy. Yeah. Even more, probably 17-10 guy with the right minutes. Mm-hmm. He played less than 30 last year, so... He's got the raw numbers, and you know there's some team out there who's rebuilding, who needs a little bit of stats. You know, a guy who can draw in seats or crowd a crowd a little bit. And raw stats have the tendency to bring people in there. Yeah. Uh, the Kings, for example, if they choose to <laughs> trade Demarcus Cousins, no, let's just say for some some reason that they decide to trade Bookie, right? They don't need someone to come in later on to fill that slot, and that could be Greg, mm-hmm. like for a placeholder type of thing. But, the, oh, the Bucks are just such a weird team, and I still like them because they have so much length. It's ridiculous. I mean, they. It, I saw this weird picture, whereas their combined length oh, yeah. was supposedly longer than an Airbus or something like that. It was <laughs> amazing. Yeah, like with wingspan to wingspan. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah, what do you expect out of the Greek Freak this year? Well, (laughs) 
You know what's fun about him is like he's good for at least one coast to coast dunk yeah. per game, pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, hopefully, he's just going to learn that position a little bit more. I mean, that's if that's going to be his responsibility to be primary ball handler creator for everybody. Hopefully, he'll continue to improve in that aspect. Um, it's it's going to be a lot on him, like you talked about. I mean, that's not really who Delhi is, and they don't want him to be that. They want Giannis to be the guy, so. I mean, he's going to have to create for the entire team. Yeah, Mort, do you think it's going to work out for them as putting him as the primary ball handler the whole year, or do you think they have to take some responsibility off his plate as the year goes on? Well, I think it's okay to make him the primary ball handler, but gradually. You mm-hmm. can't start him off and just you know be the guy who gets the ball in his hands all the freaking time. That would be too much too soon. But... Maybe just enhance the responsibility a little bit, piece by piece. Uh, then I don't think it's a problem. I mean, he could be the... <laughs> I'm going to throw out a big name here, but he could be the LeBron James type of player in terms of handling the ball at, at the same amount of time yeah. down the line. Yep. And that'd be fine. But even LeBron had to share the ball a little bit during his uh, rookie season and the first couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So, And given that there's also a language barrier for Anadokounmpo and... Uh, a rotating door personnel wise uh, hopefully that's begun settling down a little bit then yeah I, I could see that happening what's going to be interesting is seeing him learning the pick and roll and the pick and pop yep. because he is so long and so big that when he plays uh, the pick and roll as the ball handler yeah, yeah i mean you know, there's going to be so many benefits to him like he can take that one long step as sarah alluded to previously and he can get by his man and if the roll man uh, becomes the pop man instead, then that's even more space to roll off of, which is why I like the signing of Mirza Tilitovic. Yep. Um, I hope those two will get a lot of minutes together. Yeah, I would assume so. And then, I mean, who knows? If Jabari Parker expands his three-point range a little bit, that could be a deadly pick-and-pop combination between those two guys. I completely and always forget about Jabari Parker. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, like in the, because I'm I always think about the length, and for some reason Jabari doesn't really play like a role in my mind. But that's completely accurate, and he even, I mean, he had a sneaky good season last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he missed his a grand majority of his rookie year, so I feel like he kind of fell under the radar. But like, yeah, the dude's two years removed from being the number two pick in a loaded draft mm-hmm. class. Like that that is a major piece moving forward. So it, it sounds like all three of us think that the Bucks are going to at least somewhat redeem themselves uh, this coming season after their disappointing 2015-2016 campaign. But we will see just how far they go because they've got a lot of competition in this central division, starting with your Chicago Bulls, Morton, or as I refer to them this entire year as the YOLO Bulls. Because, Morton, I'm going to remind you, you spent – a grand majority of the spring clamoring for the Bulls to rebuild and blow the whole thing up. How'd that go for you, though? Well, that they did. <laughs> That's true. But not in the way that I wanted to. And I'm like I told you, Brian, I'm going to protest. I'm going to go back, right back to the Bucks right now to talk about Chris Middleton <laughs> because we didn't even talk about him, and I think that's highly unfair. We should devote the next 10 minutes to, to speak about Chris Middleton and then go right next to the Pistons. You know, that's... No, no. 
I'm I yeah, look, the Bulls they they were weird this summer. They were like <laughs> that awkward uncle who's yelling out profanities during the middle of Christmas dinner. Like you you, you kind of you can't acknowledge what he's saying, but you have to acknowledge his existence because he's there. That's kind of the awkwardness of the Bulls right now. Rashawn Rondo, really? <laughs> like, look, they, they Garth Foreman started the whole thing by saying, oh, we wanted to get younger and more athletic. Then they get a point guard who's older than Derrick Rose and considerably less athletic than Derrick Rose. But I still understand why they had to trade Rose in the first place, so fine, I suppose, but... Rashawn Rondo, you could, you could have taken uh, Seth Curry, yeah, for two years, six million. Like I wouldn't even have minded if the Bulls had offered him like seven million a year, over over four. Mm-hmm. Like fine by me, but Rashawn Rondo, like what's the benefit here? Raw stats, name recognition, trying to hold water or threat water, whatever. I just don't get that. The Dwayne Wade signing at least has some merit of logic because he's an all-time great mm-hmm. and you have a guy in Jimmy Butler who can learn so very much yeah. from Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Having said that though, and you know, I have to crab on it a little bit. You're not going to go anywhere with a 34-year-old Dwayne Wade who is slowly but surely declining in play. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, he was decent last year for the Heat, but people are overestimating his impact. He was a volume shooter. I think he had a CS percentage of 51 or something, which is below league average. And his defense fell off. And I just, I don't, I don't understand what the Bulls are doing right now. Yeah, at all. I want to say, I don't have these stats open right now, but I'm pretty sure the Heat had a better net rating with Wade off the court than on. So... To your point, he did put up raw stats. I think he was close to twenty-five and five, but uh, you know, it, it came. I mean, the Bulls should know about empty stats, having just witnessed the Pau Gasol era for the past couple of years. They know exactly what that <laughs> what that means. But Sarah, hi Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to divert Sarah's attention before she had to reflect on Pau Gasol again. Sarah. <laughs> What? How do they score with a Rondo Wade Butler backcourt? What does that even look like? I honestly, I've been looking at the roster for a while now, trying to solve this. <laughs> and like, I thought I may have been on something, but <laughs> probably not. Um, I was. It's just really tough if you're gonna play Rondo, Jimmy, and Wade. If you're gonna start all three of them. It's going to be really difficult. I was thinking if they want to play around with, make make Dwayne Wade your Ginobili. Like, bring him off the bench, make him your sixth mm. man. Like, of course, then you're dealing with egos, right. but, you know, yeah. if, if you can get him to do that, you know, you have some shooters. Of course, they have to be efficient for this to work. And I think you got to play your young guys and you got to trust them because those are where the shooting is. So, like, Denzel Valentine can shoot. We know that. You're going to have to put him in the game. Um, Snell's got to hit. Dougie McBucket's got to hit. Miritich has to hit. Yeah. But if you... You've got to have, like, two of those guys on the floor at all times. (laughs) Right. So if you could could spread that out, it might work. But But it's going to be interesting. Two of the three of the people you just mentioned... Uh, and I'm not including Snell because I don't 
I don't think he's going to be in the rotation. They're bad defenders. Like right. D- Doug McDermott is not a strong defender, and Denzel Valentine is not a strong defender at all because he's athletically limited. Miracic at least has some potential. He can pick up a lot of blocks and steals, and I know that's just stats, but he has the ability to turn it on. So not not to the point where he's an, a good defender, but where he's like an acceptable defender, which is right. the most they can ask. But look, Rashawn Rondo as well, bad defender, way... And, and it's so weird to call Rondo a bad defender given his resume, right? But that's where we are. He's just not interested in defense. And he even himself admitted he hadn't played defense in several years. Yeah, he, he gets way... steals, but he's lazy. Exactly, and he's gambling, and it's just hurtful. Yeah, Wade, not the best defender. And here's the problem. If everything falls back on Jimmy offensively speaking, mm-hmm. then he's not going to have the energy to participate defensively. We we actually saw that this year or last year as well. Right. So, like, I suspect the Bulls will have one of the worst defensive units in the league. And that's even with Robin Lopez. With uh, And that's a guy I think is going to be a game changer on that end. Yeah. I think he, he will really pick it up. But he'll have to cover so many people's asses all the time, and that, that's a concern. And the Bulls are very high on Jerry and Grant, and that dude cannot buy a bucket, like at all. He's not a shooter, and he even during summer league against competition where he should be mind-blowingly superior, he struggled like he was a D-leaguer. I'm very concerned about this. Um, I will say this, though. In regards to the starting power forward position, yeah. you have to start Nico. Like, mm-hmm. There are a lot of concern that the Bulls are going to end up starting Tosh. But look at that lineup. Robin Lopez, Tosh Gibson, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Rashawn Rondo. How many threes for a full season does that equate to? 120, <laughs> maybe, yeah. at the top, like most. That's that's just not enough. And Nico really turned it on at the end of last season from three-point range. I, I wrote a piece on today's fast break where I broke down the stats. I don't have it in front of me. But just believe me when I tell you, he was almost Stephen Curry-esque during the final, I believe, 19 games of the season. Hmm. Like, he was he was hitting it, and he was stroking it big time. He was, like, draining three-and-a-half threes a game and wow. at, like, 44% or something like that. It was crazy. Um that I don't think is sustainable, sure. but if he can dig into that part of his game a little bit more, that could open up the offense a little bit, and it's highly necessary. But, yeah, what the Bulls are doing right now, I, I, I just have no clue, and I don't think anyone does, like, at all. It, I have one theory, and Brian, you're going to love this. Remember how the big four of Wade, LeBron, and Melo, and, and Chris Paul wanted to play together? Yes, Team Banana Boat. Yeah, I think the Bulls are kind of trying to throw some chips into that pool. They're trying to angle to assemble Team Banana Boat for themselves? Yeah. I I have a feeling that's their attempt. Because they actually got really close uh, in 2010 with with LeBron and and Wade. Right. So I think they have that in the back of their heads. Oh my gosh. That that would be so cool to build build this ridiculous team. Just on the point zero 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 one percent chance that they can blur these guys, all of whom will be like yeah. thirty five by the time it actually happens. <laughs> but that's the Bulls' mo. Look, look at their free agent signings. Yeah. Ben Wallace, thirty two, back in two thousand six. 
Pau Gasol was like 34 at that point. The only somewhat young guy they got, like a big name guy, was Carlos Boozer, who was 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it. And then Dwayne Wade this year at 34. Right. Yeah. That's and true. they went after Melo at 31, I think. Yeah. Two two years or ago. 30, 30. 30. Yeah. yeah, 30. Yeah, 30. Yeah. Like that. That's their mo. They wanted Gasol when he was younger, and then. They couldn't get him because they didn't want to give up what the, the Memphis Grizzlies wanted for him, and then they waited until he got old. That's their that's their plan. When LeBron he's forty one, they're gonna sign his <laughs> ass out. They're gonna draft LeBron's kid and then sign LeBron. That's their long term yeah. plan. That's <laughs> oh no. Well, it oh, sounds so like true. you are very down on both their short term and their long term future. So I'm gonna spare you any more Bulls discussion. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll say prayers up for the Bulls this year, and particularly for Fred Hoiberg, who now has to deal with Rajon Rondo for an entire season. Oh, he's 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 going to resign. Uh, I wouldn't blame him. I'll say that much. Yeah, that's that's my Bulls hot take for this year. He's going to resign. It is pretty crazy that they brought in this pace and space guy and then loaded their roster with a bunch of old guys who can't shoot. That seems yeah, seems a little counterintuitive, but. Who knows? Maybe starting they're... to miss Iowa, Fred, huh? <laughs> maybe the Bulls are one step ahead of all of us, so we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they <laughs> they could surprise and win fifty games and make us all look stupid. But one team that's not going to make us look stupid is the Detroit Pistons. Who, Sarah? I'm going to start with you because they added your boy Boban. <laughs> How they have a lot lot of our guys right now. They got Bane still. Oh yeah. I don't I don't know if they're bringing Ray McCallum back or not, but I think he's technically still on the roster. Big men yeah. will leave, huh, Sarah? It's very sad. <laughs> Spurs North oh up there. God. So, Sarah, yeah, what do you are. what do you think Boban brings to the roster behind uh, Andre Drummond? Bo- we know Boban's awesome. <laughs> First of all, he's just fun. Second of all, I mean, he can dunk without jumping pretty much. <laughs> Um, he's he's kind of like a stat monster. Like, what what's his efficiency last year was ridiculous. Yeah. Now, obviously, he didn't you know play a lot in big games, but I mean, and I also kind of wonder, <laughs> is Stan gonna unleash three point Boban? Oh I really hope he God. does, just because I want to see it. <laughs> oh. Like Pop never really let him out there, yeah. but he can hit it. We've seen that in in uh, warm ups. I mean, he's got a nice stroke, so. That could that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> I want Boban to make it like full time superstar. Mm. I want yeah. him to blow the hell up. Yeah, be good. But yeah, um, they have a nice little squad there. You got Reggie Jackson still, Ish Smith, Steve Blake is your kind of backup backup vet. Um, Tobias they added Marcus Morris. It really just depends. I mean, you asked in in your uh, notes, can Drummond stay on the floor? That's <laughs> at the end of games. That's kind of the, the big question. I mean, the answer is no. If he if he hasn't improved his free throw shooting, and yeah. I I don't know, I kind of doubt that he has. But hopefully, I mean, has, has anybody heard? I'm sure he's been working on it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Wasn't he open to uh, underhand shots? I think I heard that at one point. I could be wrong. Was that him or DeAndre? Uh, oh, that might have been DeAndre. I don't know. One of the two. Either way, yeah, I mean... Andre, DeAndre, doesn't matter. So close. They're probably not getting above 50%. That's actually where I think Boban might be the biggest help because last year when Drummond yeah. was getting 
knocked out at the end of games. They didn't have anyone to replace him, but now you have Boban, who, I mean, he provides that same type of presence, like that rim-protecting, just swallow people up as they drive into the paint. <laughs> so I, I actually really like that signing for them, aside from just the novelty of Boban being great. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing he kind of had to work on was... Uh keeping his arms straight up. Okay. So he had a tendency to kind of bring them down. But if he's if he's gotten that, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have to do anything. That's all he has to know. Just stand there with your arms yeah. up. It, no one's going to get it over you. <laughs> right. So. It's Roy Hibbert made a career yeah. out of that. He made two All-Star games doing just that. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> and given Stan Van Gundy's history of with big men, especially with Dwight Howard back in Orlando, I'm really excited to see what happens with Boban. I think he's got, he could be a sneaky good bench big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin, what do you think happens with the three spot? They've got Stanley Johnson and Marcus Morris there. Morris was the starting three all of last year. Do you think Johnson supplants him at some point? Well, I'm horribly biased because I love Stanley Johnson. Yep. I, I think his game is just so mature for his age. His body as well. He he, he looks like a 10-year veteran who is on a strict regimen every season and he's He's entering his second year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that Morris surprised me last me year too. with his consistency. Uh, so so it's it's his job to lose still, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But I wouldn't be surprised if Johnson just really made it a game. Like, really took it to him in, in training camp and, you know, told Marcus, I'm, I'm gunning for that spot, dude. Um, and I hope he is. I, overall, I think Detroit is so interesting. Yeah. They have a lot of... Nice components. I mean, they they got Henry Ellison in the draft at, I believe, 18th, which is terrific value, and he can stretch the court. Uh, I, I, KCP, you mentioned that he's in a contract year. Yep. He's the one guy that I'm sort of like a little bit iffy on because he's got some consistency issues and the efficiency isn't there entirely, but he's still a solid baller, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I like the symmetry, and with... With Tobias Harris there and and Stan on the helm at the helm, I should say. It's it's a very very intriguing squad. I was kind of surprised they got bounced in four yeah. last year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to be the case next year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think especially you know Tobias Harris came over at some I think it was in February, right? Like right around the trade deadline. Yes. Yeah. So like you know now he's got a full off season, a full training camp to work with these guys. Like it's. It's pretty hard for anyone to just get thrown into a new system and thrive right away. And it he took him a little bit of time to get into a comfort zone. So I'm excited to see how he fits. I mean, in theory, you know, Van Gundy in Orlando loved that four out one in offense around Dwight, where you have a guy, you know, I think it was like Richard Lewis and mm-hmm. Hito Turkoglu who were just bombing away at the forward spot. Like Tobias Harris and Drummond could have that kind of complementary role. So I'm pretty high on the Pistons this year. I'll be honest. I, 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 I think they could be, I'm with you. I don't think they get bounced in four this year. I think, you know, they're probably not a favorite for a top four seed heading into the season, but it would not at all surprise me if they're in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah, no, me neither. I, I, I would even go as far as saying it would be a disappointment if they weren't. Wow. Yeah. I mean... I, I don't look at this squad as a first round kind kind of team. Yeah, I mean they de- they all. definitely have the talent. It's like 
I mean, they've got some competition in their own division, which we'll touch on shortly. You know, they've got Boston and Toronto to worry about in the Atlantic. And I mean, the Southeast is probably the one where you can make a little bit, you know, all of those teams are in transition in some capacity, like the, mm. the Hawks having lost Horford and who knows, you know, knock on wood, Chris Bosch gets cleared, but if not, the Heat are probably not a playoff team. So, you know, they're definitely, I would say the the Pistons are in that like four to six range in terms of playoff seating. Uh, but it, it's going to be, I guess it'll just really come down to first round matchup to see how far they get this year. Well, the Detroit is my <laughs> is my last season Toronto pick. I really liked Toronto last season, mm-hmm. and uh, going in, I, I I had a lot of bets going with friends where they wanted they they said that uh, the Wizards were going to get be better, and I said no no no, like Toronto is like leagues ahead of of Washington at this point. And the, the conversation went back and forth. And then a couple of months into the season, it was clear that Toronto was going to do something special. Yeah. Compared to like their normal standards. I have that feeling with Detroit this year. Hmm. I think that the, the, the level of talent, the coaching, the cohesiveness there is there, the, the, the fact that they have so many shooters and players who can create and also play both ends, mm-hmm. it's so intriguing. I just can't help myself but get high on them. Yeah. The only thing, and literally the only thing holding me down a little bit, and we talked about it, Andre's free throw shoot. Yeah. That's literally the only thing that makes me like kind of iffy on mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, frankly, it's a good thing for his long-term development that Van Gundy is pulling him off at the end of games because he's not... He's just not going to tolerate that level of free throw shooting. And I think, yeah. I mean, you know, with all of these guys, it's mental. Like, all of them, we've seen Dwayne Howard in practice hit 75 to 80% of his free throws, and then he goes into games and he hits like 40%. So it's not like a lack of practice or like a lack of talent. It's just like they need to get into a good routine and a good rhythm. But the fact that Van Gundy is basically saying, look, I'm not going to play you. You just have to improve. I think he's basically going to force Drummond into doing this. So hmm. it's either going to make or break him. I, you know, I have confidence and they do too. They just handed him a huge five-year max deal, right? That he's going to be that kind of player that they can count on. But yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I've had him in a fantasy basketball keeper league for the last couple of years. And this is, this is the first year where I'm going to move on. Cause I, I could not, you know, he, he, was good last year, but he didn't take the step forward that I expected him to. So I am hopeful that he does this year. Uh, and I hope that his free throw shooting even, you know, just get above like 45%, dude. That's all you need. So who closes games for Detroit up front? I would... If Drummond isn't hitting, of course. I would say Tobias and Boban. I'm actually thinking Tobias and Morris. Real, oh. real small ball. Oh, wow. Real small ball. That'd be fun. Yeah. If you if you need a big, Aaron Baines is a decent free throw shooter too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And he's actually sneaky athletic as well. He's not. I mean, he looks like this big girthy type of guy, but he he can he can run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they've got mm-hmm. options, which I think will help them. Yeah. You know, that, depth is always the key when it comes to 
a long grind of the NBA season because guys get hurt, mm. but the fact you have reliable options behind Drummond should help the Pistons withstand any major calamities. Uh, let's move on to the Pacers, who, I mean, they are, they look totally different now, right? Like, they, they want, Larry Bird for the last two, three years since they got rid of Hibbert and Lance Stevenson has been all about this pace and space thing, except last year's roster was not at all built to do that, uh, which Frank Vogel realized pretty quickly after Miles Turner got hurt and he reverted to a traditional two big lineup. This year, I, this year, Frank Vogel is not there. Nate McMillan is. But he doesn't really have a choice. I mean, they added Thaddeus Young. They added Jeff Teague. They added Al Jefferson. Uh, they lost Ian Mahinmi. They lost Jeremy Hill. So they basically have to play Thad at the four and Miles Turner at the five to start, right? Sarah? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um I don't know. I mean, you could play around with some of the young guys, but yeah, you got to start that way. I think so. Mm. I mean, you have Seraphin you can play <laughs> around with. Um, we talked about bringing Big Al off the bench for defensive reasons. I don't know. That, that's probably what you got to do. Yeah. I I don't get the Nate McMillan signing though. Yeah. None of us got that. No. Yeah. No. I mean, I did I did a Jeff C piece also on um, today's fast break, where I asked the question whether he was the right point guard for that system, and really it hinges on how Nate McMillan is going to use him because uh, when when you look at Jeff Teak, he he didn't really have a whole lot of guys next to him in Atlanta who played ISO ball, mm-hmm. but he now does in Indiana because you have Monta, Monta and you have yeah. And Paul George. Paul George was a heavy isolation player, actually. Um, And I think Nate McMillan, uh, I did the research, and he was dead last several times, uh, and then second to last several times in pace during his years as a head coach in Seattle and and in Portland. So he's not not a coach who prefers to play quick. I think the, the highest he ever got in his coaching career was 15th, and that was one time. Oh, wow. And then he wasn't out of the 20s. He was like almost dead last every single year. Um, so I kind of wonder if that's going to limit Jeff Teague. Yeah. And also Monta and Paul George, if their running game is affected and they become a slow it down team, like what do they do really? Do they do they just run a whole lot of pick and roll with Thaddeus Young and Jeff Teague and then have Paul George stand in the corner? Or, or do we revert back to isolation basketball? Like what do we do here? Mm-hmm. I think I I love what they did. They the Pacers did what Boston should have done, like they cashed in. Yeah, right. They did what Danny Ainge didn't dare to do. Yeah, yeah. And all, all they spent now I just, was a number twenty pick to get Thaddeus Young, who is I mean he's a g- good player on a great contract. Yeah, exactly. Like they did everything right, and I think they assembled a roster that's really intriguing. Yeah, but then they hire yeah maybe the worst possible fit head coaching wise for that roster yeah that that note about I their pace is really interesting i didn't realize that about mcmillan that <laughs> does not seem to be in line with bird's organizational philosophy so i'm intrigued to see how that plays out it's a lot like the the bulls like you know <laughs> why would yeah. you bring in that that coach and then give him that 
that roster have that philosophy and then yeah doesn't make sense but I mean, you guys talked about um Jeff Teague I think that you know that's the reason why George Hill was such a good fit for that roster because mm-hmm. he doesn't need the ball as much and mm-hmm. yeah I'm not sure why they made that move either no George Hill's better yeah flat so. out better um well I, I think they wanted a, a bigger scoring punch they thought I think they believed that Monza Ellis was going to be a better score for him than that than, than he was, and then I think they kind of panicked a little bit. But not not saying that getting Jeff Teague is a bad move. Like Jeff Teague is an all star and a hell of a player, right. and, and at least he and George Hill are comparable. Yeah. But I too would give Hill the notch. But that's like I mean, come on, you know, that's really a toss up. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah, I mean, um, Hill is one of he was one of the lowest usage starting point guards in the league, and the one year where Paul George got hurt uh, with the Team USA thing and he missed all but six games, that was the only year where he really had free reign, and he actually, I think he set career highs across the board because he actually had a usage rate that is anywhere close to what a starting point guard usually does. Was that his sixteen points a game year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, he was so good that year. He was like all star caliber. Yeah, guy. I think he had like somewhere around sixteen points, five assists, four rebounds a game, somewhere in that. And then that range. terrific defense. Yeah, to boot. Right. I, yeah. I I think that's the thing I'm most intrigued by. Uh, you know, Vogel comes in with this defensive reputation, and they're under Vogel. They were like a top ten defensive team pretty much every year. I think. Uh, you know. Do they keep that up with Teague, with Al Jefferson, with Thaddeus Young mm. under McMillan? Can we agree that Fred Horberg and Nate McMillan should basically be traded for each other? Yeah. That would make total sense. Is that allowed? Because like the Pacers <laughs> have like Fred's roster and the Bulls so have Nate McMillan's roster. Oh wow. You're so right. They really they should probably like lobby Adam Silver just hey guys we yeah. we got this wrong let's just we could trade like yeah, future second round trade. picks that's fine <laughs> yeah that's a really good Miles point. Turner by the way yeah I want to see him jack threes this Me year too I'm really high on Miles Turner this year yep yeah um, I want to see him launch 250 yeah I we just had uh today's fast break we just did this franchise player dynasty draft so it's like. Not including contracts, but just if you're starting a franchise from from here until the end of their careers, who do you pick? Uh, so I had the 11th pick out of 30, and I took Greek Freak as my first pick. And then Miles Turner was round two. Because I think he's, I mean, he's just going to be a monster. You know, like, Carl Anthony Towns and Kristaps dominated the headlines for rookie big men last year. Because Turner got hurt early in the year and missed a good chunk of the year. But when he came back, he was a monster. He's going to be very good. And he talked with, I think it was Alex Kennedy of Basketball Insiders. And he's like, I I just realized how good I could be. Like, I want to be a 15-point-per-game scorer this year. Like, uh uh-oh. If he he realized (laughs) that, you know, that's that's why I kind of led with the question of, do you start that and turner instead of put al jefferson out there if they let turner play to his talent like uh, the reason he fell in the draft was because he was inconsistent in texas and he had like a weird gait issue with it like he ran funny basically but then Mm. last year he came out 
that was a non-issue. Like once he, you know, even in the pre-draft workouts, like he got trained up for two months and got that hitch out of his step and he's totally fine now. I mean, I think that kid's going to be very, very good. And I think like, you know, three or four years down the line, if you're doing a redraft of the 2015 draft class, he would be a top five pick. Yeah, absolutely. I would already take him in the top five right now. Yeah. But regarding the Alex Kennedy interview, was it 15 points? I seem to remember it was 20, but it might have been just 15. I think he said 15 to 20. But he, oh, okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough. But he, he yeah. was like, because the 15 thing is totally uh, realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would not be at all surprised if he does like 15 and 8 with close to two blocks a game, maybe upwards of a three. It's just, yeah, it's a matter of whether. Uh, McMillan lets him bomb away from deep, which you can only hope he will. Yeah, yeah. All right, do we have anything else to say about the Pacers, or should we move on to our defending champions, the ones who made the Golden State Warriors blow a 3-1 lead in the finals? <laughs> well, one one final note on the Pacers, and that's actually more a, a, a note on teams and superstars in general. We didn't even talk about Paul George, really. Oh, true, like, yeah. Have, Hello. We, we've reached a point now. now but we, we also didn't even mention Chris Middleton with with the Bucks. Like, we've reached a point where we just have this expectation that superstars are going to superstar. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So they're going to be there. So we, we focus on all the nuances instead. I just find that pretty interesting. That's that's where we're at. Yeah, so I'm, basically, we yeah. shouldn't even talk about LeBron right now. Well, <laughs> well. We might, we might. <laughs> He's like, let me stop you. Right we might there. have to mention him. Yeah, I mean, they are known quantities, yeah. though. It's true. Yeah, now, that's a good point about Paul George because I actually think, I mean, last year he came out and there were a lot of questions about how effective he would be because he's coming off that horrendous leg injury and he came out and looked like his old self, like he looked better than ever. So I'm actually really excited to see what he does this year, given the roster construction around him. I just. I hope Monta Ellis, if he, if he takes more than 10 shots a game on this team, uh, they're, like, they could be a really fun team to watch. But the more there's going to be an inverse ratio between the amount of shots that Monta takes and their watchability. Yeah. If he starts jacking, then I hope he gets on a moped again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go to the Cavs, our last team. In the Central Division, really not much uh, roster turnover of note. I mean, J.R. Smith remains unsigned. It's the it's middle the of sub- biggest question. Yeah, it's the mm. middle of September. So, well, I mean, one would think at some point they will sign him because I don't really see him signing anywhere else at this point. Um, aside from that, they really only added Mike Dunleavy and Birdman and Kay Felder, lost Delhi and Mozgov. But you know, I mean, they're Kay Felder. Yeah, you had a crush on Kay Felder, right? Oh man, I love Kay Felder. I when he slipped, and I consider that a slip to to the Cavs in the second round. I was like, oh, the rich are getting richer. Yeah, he is so good. He is so crafty and so intelligent out there. He he can play. He you know he can score for himself. He can set plays up for others. He's uh. An underrated defender. He's strong, even though he's short. He's really strong. He's not gonna give up position easily. Mm-hmm. He's just such a fighter. He's like 
Nate Robinson kind of esque, uh, but with a better handle and playmaking ability. I I just I love this kid, and I understand why LeBron was excited to get him because you know game recognizes game, yeah. and <laughs> and he knew that the Cave Felder was the real deal, and they got him late in the second, and I was sitting there going. The Bulls took a guy from Germany named Paul Sipser who has like three bones in two feet. Oh, right. Is, <laughs> yeah. And, and Kate Farrell was on the board and I was just thinking, yeah, of course he's going to go to the Cavs. Of course. Because LeBron, he's he's not going to let him pass by. No. Love the Kate Felder uh, draft. Do, Love it. Do you think he replaces Delhi? And to a lesser extent, have we found out if Mo Williams is retiring yet? Does anyone know? No, I don't even know. Uh, there were rumblings know. about it, right. but I don't think any, anything's been confirmed. Okay. Right? Well, I, not that I've seen, but, I mean, there's a chance if Mo Williams does retire, there's a chance that Kay Felder is their only real point guard behind Kyrie, right? Well, you know what? I like that. Yeah? Yep. Go ahead, Kay Felder. Do your thing. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that at all. That would be that would be awesome. Like give Kay Felder the run of the second unit. Just here you go, Kay. Run it, run it, boy. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I. It's it's virtually the same roster yeah. that they're getting back. I love the Mike Dunley view, um, Dunley V uh, trade as well yes. because he, here's a guy who is just <laughs> such a pro, mm-hmm. can shoot, an underrated defender, moves well, and and isn't just a shooter he surprisingly adapted at moving off the cut and and going to the rim as well so it's intriguing by the way we were talking about indiana and nate mcmillan's slow pace Mm -hmm. last year the Cavs won the championship despite having this uh the ranking 28th in pace there you go there's hope yet pacers fans there's hope yet pacers fan (laughs) um all right so we we think k felder is going to be a monster what about Kevin Love? We got to tackle the elephant in the room because it is still there. I mean, he played, I would say, up and down throughout the playoffs. You know, his most memorable moment is obviously going to be that last second defense on Steph Curry in Game 7 where he gets switched onto Curry and Curry's eyes widen to the size of the Great Lakes and then he still <laughs> missed the three. So do we think Kevin Love in year three in Cleveland – has learned to fit in rather than fit out. What say you, Sarah? Um, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not his fault. I mean, he, but yeah, the fit's going to be the same as it has been. I don't, you know, he is the player that he is, and they play the style they play. So it's going to be the same pretty much. But you know, on the bright side, they won the championship anyway last year. So. It's not like there's a lot for them to be worried about. That's true. Yeah. He... Sarah, is is Kevin Love a Cavalier if he did not have that one defensive possession? <laughs> Maybe not, but like, I don't know that they're really still sold on him anyway. Like, They're probably still looking to move him, but I don't know that there's a lot of big takers right now. No. They'd be fools not to. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean it's one possession and this one possession I, I i get the the significance of it i really do but <laughs> look it's one goddamn possession 
and everyone is like making it out to be, oh, but look, Kevin Love is not a bad defender. Look at what he did to Steph on that final possession. It's one possession. How about the thousands of missed rotations? The the hundreds of blow buys that he suffered. Like, come on now. He's still a horrible defender. And I I still see that as a huge concern for the Cavs. Like Yeah. You know how I feel about Kevin Love. We covered that <laughs> yeah. last year. Yeah, I mean, especially if they do meet the Warriors again in the finals, there's nowhere to hide Kevin Love anymore because instead of Harrison Barnes, you now have mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. So that is... I mean, you hide him on the bench like that. Right. So... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. Well said. Yeah, they should have... I mean, I think they probably go into the season and say we're going to keep him just because it's kind of crazy to think about trading one of your quote-unquote big three coming off of a title but yeah exactly they if they could get jay crowder from boston at a kevin love deal they should strongly strongly pursue that the first second of trouble this year i would say but why would boston do that though because boston needs stars quote-unquote and kevin love and al horford could actually <laughs> be pretty fun together Oh, yeah, it could be, but, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure Danny Ainge would try to squeeze out LeBron James. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, ha- right. it has to be, a, like, a slam dunk for yeah, him. Yeah, I'll trade you a second-round pick for LeBron James, Danny Ainge. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they have Jalen Brown, so maybe they see Crowder is expendable, but probably not because Boston overvalues everything that they have. Um, but is Kevin Love Cleveland royalty now because of the title? He's Cleveland royalty because of the way he celebrated by carrying that WWE title belt around all week. That was that was, <laughs> oh, that's right. that was the he's wearing like a Stone Cold shirt. That dude, I don't care. He could play zero defense for the rest of his career. He is now like a NBA Hall of Famer just for his off court antics. And little Kev, <laughs> you can't get rid of little Kev. <laughs> and and Jr. Smith running around with no shirt oh on my for God. like a month. I hope. On opening night, I still I, I want him to just come out of the court shirtless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like accepting the championship ring without a shirt. That would be kind of you know that, under normal circumstances you'd be thinking what the hell, yeah. but this would just be fitting. Yeah, no, he just needs to get his jersey number tattooed on his back so he can literally play without a shirt. It's that should be his <laughs> uniform from this point forward. <laughs> you know he's gonna do I it. I know one would hope. Don't 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 give him that idea. Yeah. Uh, all right, so one more note on the Cavs. Do you guys think they coast all regular season, or do they have to actually try to maintain home court advantage throughout the East? Nah. I feel like they're probably going to coast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, it would be nice. I just, you know, do you think they're going to be extra motivated because they just came off this title? I don't really think so. It would be yeah. cool if they were. <laughs> but they don't have to be. I mean... Yeah, so you know LeBron's going to be coasting all through the season. Maybe Kyrie will go off, and that will be fun anyway. That's true. That's the hope. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, you know, I think LeBron, especially last year, you could tell he was, he didn't look like his full hundred percent self, and you couldn't tell if it was Father Time starting to claim a little bit or if he was just coasting. And then he has that massive finals performance, and it's like, oh no, he was just coasting. He's still LeBron James. Yeah. So I think he has mm-hmm. really learned the value, and I'm, I'm sure it's a credit to your Spurs, Sarah. He's learned the value <laughs> of resting during the regular season and not going all out 
every night because you need to save energy for when you need to chase down black Andre Iguodala with two minutes left in game seven. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got to muster every little bit. And if you're playing five extra minutes a game in mid-January against the 76ers, just wears you out a little bit more. So sorry, everyone who are, who's expecting the Cavs to go 74 and eight, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. I was surprised LeBron played 76 games in the regular season last season. Yeah. Like, I, I, I could see him stick to, like, 65 this time around. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he saw, like, a sort of major statistical decline just because he kind of wanted to kick it back a little bit. Right. Like, he averaged 25 points a game last year. Like, he could settle for, like, 20, 21 and just, you know, the seven rebounds, seven assists, just lay back and... and, and watch everything like the godfather (laughs) and then come playoff time he'll he'll get into that rhythm and then it'll hit the finals and then he's fresh yeah i mean makes sense yeah strategically he was it last year or two years ago where he took that two-week break it was two years ago right two years ago yeah yeah i mean and then he came back and looked like a whole new person so maybe he just takes a little christmas vacation goes to the bahamas with the fam (laughs) It's an interesting balance because I think he still does take it somewhat personally when he isn't near the top of the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and so giving up the statistics is, is difficult, but I think, you know, there's no way that he's he's going to go all out this year when he saw, like you said, how well it paid off for him last year, how he was able to play that well in the finals. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, well he can't have it both ways, though. That's true, especially now that the Warriors are a super super team. Yeah, he's 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 still gonna be at the top now. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we should mention. Do you guys think is, entering the season is he the front runner for MVP? No, <laughs> no, it be, because I do think he's gonna coach. Okay. Yeah. yeah um, I I I think it's Kawhi. Yeah. Sarah. I I think I think Sarah, your boy is gonna win the, the MVP. This <laughs> yeah, I'm year. not even gonna ask Sarah because I know. <laughs> no, what's funny is like I kind of hope so, and I logically think he should have a good shot, but I don't want to say it because <laughs> I feel like I'll jinx it. So I don't, I don't even want to put him forward for just, that. Just keep saying James Harden then. Every time you say his okay, name, that's <laughs> one less possession he will play on defense. All right, uh, let's quickly run through some division predictions. Sarah, I want to start with you before we go into our standings predictions. Who do you think (laughs) is the most watchable team? And then go down the list from most watchable to least watchable. Who should people have on League Pass this year? What's funny is this is almost, was almost as hard as like trying to rank who, how I think they're going to finish. It's like, I honestly think I'm going to put the Pistons number one, nice. but you guys know I have a, a big man bias. Right. <laughs> so I kind of just enjoy teams that say, screw your small ball. I'm going to play two behemoth centers. And actually now they kind of have three huge guys. So I just appreciate that. <laughs> so we're, we're going Pistons one. And it's just, it's really hard from there. I think I would go Bucks two. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on them as far as how many games they're gonna win. Because mm-hmm. you know they were so disappointing last year that now they got to show me something yep, first. But I mean, p- 
point, Giannis is is, is going to be a lot of yes. fun. So <laughs> that will be fun to watch. I don't know how the rest of it's going to come together. I mean, Middleton, him and Middleton are the two that I'm really excited yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we we just talked about how the Cavs are going to coast. That's the problem. Like, I don't want to disrespect the Cavs, but you know they're going to, they don't have to go hard. So, oh, well, I'll still go Cavs three at, for when LeBron feels like showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Pacers. Sorry, oh, Morton. No. And then <laughs> Bulls. Bulls last. But it kind of depends on your idea of watchability. Like, if you want to see something strange <laughs> and potentially train wreck, then watch That's the Bulls. True. But... <laughs> you don't have to apologize, though. I'm right there with there you. you. I have the Bulls. See? way down there uh, I, I do have the the calves at four but that's primarily because mm-hmm. look i appreciate greatness and that's by far the, the the biggest thing that i focus on but i don't think the the brand of basketball the calves play is aesthetically pleasing right so, i can agree with that yeah and, and but I mean, I, but the pacers don't thrill me either though is the thing i just I don't mean, know but, yet but, because it's a whole new exactly cocktail. And, and Miles Turner, like, if you're getting him involved in the pick and rolls, that is fun. Mm-hmm. So. Launch those bombs, Miles. <laughs> Mort, how right. about uh, division predictions? You, you've you seen mine, but give me yours. Well, I agree with yours oh, no. again. Oh. Uh, the Cavs, number one. Indiana, second. Detroit, um the Bulls and then Bucks. Although we could both argue that we could reverse the Bulls and Bucks, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Bucks were better than the Bulls. Um, the Bulls really have this potential of just completely bottoming up. Yeah, there's there is a nuclear meltdown waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I I could see it go like that, but I mean, is there even? Like it's not even funny in regards to the Cavs. They are so they, they it shouldn't even be number one. It should be like yeah. yeah, like so far ahead of everyone and then they should just have the number seventy, seventy two or whatever <laughs> because they oh my god, there's so big a difference between number one and number two in in the central division. I I mean, even even coasting, like what are they gonna end up with? Fifty six wins? Yeah. Fifty seven? Yeah. I'm, something like that. Would, and they're gonna do it easy. I would be surprised if they have less than or fewer than fifty five. And we were talking before we started yeah. recording, like when I was putting these together last night, honestly two through five is a coin flip. Like I could see any one of those teams finishing as the second best one. And I could see mm. aside from Detroit, I could see any one of those teams finishing as the worst. Like maybe Indiana Happen, what happened to Milwaukee last year happens to Indiana this year, and their defense just falls off because they added the wrong type of personnel. The Bulls, <laughs> I mm. think we covered the worst case scenario for the Bulls. Uh, you know, I I think I'd be surprised if Detroit fell any further than three. I'm guessing they're either two or three. But aside from that, like I, just because I have Milwaukee at five does not mean I think Milwaukee is going to be a bad team by any means. I think any one of these teams could win at least 40 games and realistically all five of them could make the playoffs it wouldn't totally shock mm-hmm. me if that happened uh like jimmy butter would have to go eight though yeah yeah but like i don't know they you know they, we could possibly see wade put together one final monster season just 
fueled by hometown pride or whatever, and maybe Rondo keeps his head on straight and he likes just getting out of the dysfunction in Sacramento. Uh, you know, maybe Nico, as you say earlier, like he keeps up that three-point shooting that he had at the end of the year. Robin Lopez, I think, is a very underrated acquisition. Uh, people, you know, people were slamming the bulls for that, and then Mozgov goes and gets sixteen million a year, and it's like, oh, yeah, Robin Lopez was a great deal. So <laughs> they, they've got talent. Like they, they have the most potential to blow up in a bad way of anyone in this division. But it wouldn't surprise me if they actually stayed somewhat together and won forty-five games. Like they have the talent to do that. Ah, I suppose I I do agree with the um, the biggest potential to blow up and not just from the division. I I probably would put that in the league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if we when you, when you look at the te- level of talent, which is admittedly there, right? It could just burn. Yeah, that's that's yeah. true. All right, but forty five. That's that's putting it high, bro. I, you built my with no space. You built my Sixers up. I've got to return the favor with your Bulls. Uh, well, I don't want you to, man. I, I want to. I, I don't want the Bulls to win forty-five. I want Markel Fultz. Oh no, Sixers. Yeah, he's going to the Sixers. Oh no, you got Ben Simmons now, dude. <laughs> Step off my Markel Fultz. Okay, we're gonna have two top five picks next year. Just deal with it. We're gonna take them. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to who do we think is the coach of the year in this division? Sarah, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of has to be Stan, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, I would say he's the best coach in the division, so. And I don't like saying that because he keeps stealing my Spurs, <laughs> but. Is that why you say he's the best? Because he's stealing your Spurs? <laughs> it is smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Mart, what about you? I'm guessing Fred Hoiberg. Nate McMillan for my money. Really? No. Oh, uh, if he gets no. if he gets traded to Chicago, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah. No, no, obviously Stan. Uh, oh wow! Look, look, Stan is my guy. Build a wall, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, he's my guy, and, and just the level of creativity he coaches with is is inspiring. Yeah. Honestly, and he's just so down to earth. Yep. I I love this. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised. I thought someone would maybe say Tyron Lue, but I also had Stan Van Gundy, so no uh, no conflict there. Let's move to the MVP. I doubt we're going to have much conflict for this one either. <laughs> Can we all yeah. LeBron on three? Can we consensus this one and move right on? Well, oh. well if he's going to coast, though, and if he does take that major statistical decline, out of choice, of right. course, then what? Uh, like let, yeah. let's assume that he selectively chooses which games he's on and which he's off and at the end of the day he's like he's topping out at my maybe like 20 points six or seven rebounds six or seven assists mm-hmm. that's that's a perfectly healthy stat line by yeah. the way but it's not like the lebron we used to know and, and whatever and and i i understand by choice whatever greek freak yeah potentially yeah if he if he just balls out and wraps up like a twenty two points nine rebounds six assists two steals two block season, which I'm not even ruling out because he is that ridiculously talented. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good dark horse as well as, well as Drummond and Paul George. Like all of them are this this division. Oh yeah, PG thirteen. Yeah, this division is not short on talent. Like 
LeBron is LeBron. So just based on talent mm-hmm. alone, he wins. But yeah, you're you're totally right that if he does decide to coast, there will be he'll have some uh, <laughs> challengers at his doorstep. And Jimmy and Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah, forgot right. about Jimmy. Oh yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy. Did you see how much Jimmy owned Paul George last year? Uh, like he he blocked he blocked a, a game a potential game winning jump shot. Oh right, in one right, game, right, right. and then in another he had this crazy alley oop tip in over Paul George to win the game at the buzzer. Oh yeah, like in late game situations, Jimmy just drank his damn milkshake. <laughs> Good so, reference. You know, yeah, uh, but but it's. Uh, I, I get the LeBron choice. I don't think he's gonna go out with the you know twenty six and six. Yeah. I totally still expect him to go twenty five eight and eight or whatever seven and seven. And but I'm just saying, what yeah, if? Yeah, that's fair. Because I would totally understand it if he selected to not. That's to. very very fair. Uh, all right, let's wrap things up by moving to our crush of the division. Uh, Sarah, let's start with you. Who who are you crushing on here? Well, I, I I always crush on <laughs> right, but I I won't pick Bobon. what non Spurs player I, think, I should say. <laughs> I think Chris Middleton, even at this point, yeah. is too good to even pick as a crush. Um, so I kind of want to pick George Yang oh, for the Pacers. Okay. Uh, he may not get off the bench. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, and, and his defense is a question mark. I haven't been able to see him play that much so i don't know what he's like on defense but on the other side of the ball i mean he can he's comfortable putting the ball on the floor he has a nice he he has three-point range uh his release is maybe a touch slow but he has a good looking shot so uh, there's a lot of potential there i like that so Mm -hmm. that's a good one Morton. Fred, Fred Hoiberg likes it yeah, as well. there we go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. They really yeah. should switch coaches. This is the best idea <laughs> we've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> Morton, how about you? Who's your crush in the division? Stanley Johnson. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talked about him earlier, so no need to, to go at it again. But <laughs> he, he has so much potential. It's insane. I really, really like watching him play. And... I believe he switched up his jersey number as respect out of Ben Wallace. Did he really? As well, I think he's playing. Yeah, I think he's going to uh, rock number seven. Oh my gosh. I believe. That's awesome. So when he did that, it was just like no contest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stanley, my, my guy. He's one of those. You know how sometimes you're like drafting for best player available and sometimes you're drafting for fit? He's like the perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was just. I remember in mock drafts leading up to that that draft it was like stanley johnson was going at eight pretty much every time it was just a perfect fit and he still is a yeah. great fit on that roster he's such a good stan van gundy player so yeah i I'm, i am likewise excited about him and my crush we also talked about earlier but miles turner i just mm-hmm. if this if you're in a fantasy keeper league and you can buy even remotely low on miles turner this is your last chance to do so because he's about to have a monster year i think and yeah, he's just going to announce himself. I mean, it pains me to admit this because my Sixers took another big man ahead of Miles Turner, but Miles Turner is going to be the third best big man from that draft class behind Towns and Porzingis. And I, I actually think Porzingis is not going to be... 
he'll be ahead, but I don't think it's going to be by a mile. I think it's going to be closer than we would realize right now. So keep an eye on. And stick around our feed, folks, because Brian is going to open up his very own fantasy podcast under our banner at some point. <laughs> better, by the way. That's fair. Yeah, I, I can ramble about that for a while. Uh, all right. No, yeah, well, you, you better do. Yeah. You better yeah, do. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, this was another episode of the NBA podcast previewing the Central Division. Join us next time as we discuss the potential tire fire that is the Southeast Division. Until then, Ugh. Sarah and Morton, it's always good talking to you guys. Likewise, Bry. You too, Bry. All right. Take care. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & more. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.